when I prepare these sermons, I'm not just trying to look and, and be like, okay, this is what the passage means, and I'm, this is how I'm going I'm to express it to, to the congregation, to the church. First and foremost, what I do is I read it and I apply it to myself. And I say, am I living this out? Am I, am I faithfully, without even trying to think of myself as a pastor, without even trying to think of myself as a leader, I'm, I'm really just looking at it as an individual and saying, are the words of Jesus, are they, are they speaking to me? And, and today's, today's passage, the, the section from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, let me tell you, th- this week it wrecked me. And, and, and again, so at the end of the day, I'm, I'm preaching for you, but I'm preaching to myself because this is, this is something that I, I'm failing all the time. Today's passage we'll find in Matthew chapter 6. And before I say another word, let's just, let's just read the word of God. And it's on the screen behind me. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Let me read that again just to really drill it down. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. The reason why, when I've read this, and when I'm studying this, that it shook me. Not that I haven't heard it before. Again, I've heard, I've heard the Sermon on the Mount hundreds of times. And again, I've heard many sermons on the Sermon on the Mount hundreds of times. But I, I have to say, when I first read this, and it, it says, don't go out and, and have your righteousness on display. Don't go on the street corners and be like the hypocrites who are saying all these words. The reason why it shook me is because look at where I'm standing right now. Look, look at the fact that I, I'm standing on an elevated podium, on an elevated stage, and there are people listening to my words and listening to what I'm saying. And I, I, I'm saying, so... What am I doing? I, I, I'm trying to bring the word of God. I'm trying to speak with one who has authority. I'm trying to, trying to convey truth, trying to be real. And at the end of the day, I read this and it's like this tension. Jesus is calling for his people, for the people that are following him to do things in secret. 
To do things without making a big deal, without publicizing, without marketing it, without making it known, without going on social media and taking selfies and taking pictures of all the different things that are going on. And instead, what he's saying is, is when you're giving to the needy, do it in secret. Don't let anyone know. Just do it in a way that no one finds out that it was you who did it. Just do it. When you pray, don't be like the people who are on the street corners who are praying, who are wailing. Don't be like the people who are trying to make it where they're seen. Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's in secret. And and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. And it's this idea of, of having things be private. The world we live in, and again, I'm just speaking from the heart because this is what I'm struggling with on a day-to-day basis. The world that we live in, we want to show people what we're doing. We want to, even as a church, even as someone who's, who's leading a church, it's like if we do an event, I want to be able to take pictures and post it and show the world that LCC is doing a good job, that we want to be able to express and say, hey, our church is doing this, this, and this. The reason why that Jesus' words are beginning to shake me and my understanding of, of even how I operate in ministry. It's because Jesus is saying the exact opposite. He's saying you may want to go out and tell people that you're, you're going on mission trips, that you're going far to different places, and you want to be able to come back, and you want to be able to say, this is what you did. This is all what you accomplished. You may want to go out into the inner city and, and feed all these people and you want to say, hey, look at what our church is doing. Look at what our ministry is doing. You may want just to be a generous giver, someone who always provides for people. You want to do it in a way that people know, hey, you're the, you're the generous person. You're the one who gives when you're called to give. You're the one who, do, who does that. Jesus is saying this. Those actions are great. You should continue to do the actions. But there's a part of it that you need to cut out. You need to stop. You need to make sure that this is what you understand, that you need to not do this thing, and that thing is to tell people about it. And again, this is where I'm, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, the good things are good. You know, helping the needy, giving to the poor, doing all these volunteering events, that's, that's what the church is here for. But the idea that we don't tell anyone about it, the, the idea that we don't go out into the street corners and say, hey, look at what our church is doing. Hey, look at how much we're praying. Look at how much we're giving. Look at, look at how generous we are. That Jesus inherently is saying, do the good works, but don't take any credit for it. This is hard. And this doesn't even have to be with church. This could be in your day-to-day life. Jesus isn't saying this is a communal thing. He's talking to individuals. He's saying when you are generous, when you are doing something you're supposed to, there is this temptation inside of us to make sure that we get the credit. I've said it in the past, but I, I hate group projects. The reason why I hate group projects, again, is because there is someone in that group is, that isn't going to be pulling their, they're pulling their weight. And so what ends up happening is if you're, if you're the type like me, that you're, you're that you're the go-getter, when you're in a group project and you're doing all the work, you want the teacher to know, you want the professor to know that, hey, you know what, in reality, I'm the one who did everything. 
I'm the one who did all the work. So yeah, you can give them the good grade, but I just wanted you to know. I wanted you to, to know for sure that I'm the one who, who did all the work for this project. And yeah, so just, just letting you, just, just between you and me. What I see so frequently in the church, even with the Christian, the Christian life, is many times people do the same thing. Many times people are the ones who, who are the ones who are doing such great work and, and they're, they're, they're feeding the poor, they're, they're giving to the needy, they're the they're ones who are always Johnny on the spot, they're always there to serve. But there's something about it. There's something about the way that they serve that they have to let people know that they're serving. They have to let people know that, hey, I'm the one who's doing the good deed. You need to be more like me. You need to be more sacrificial like I am. You need to be more willing to be uncomfortable like I am. And Jesus calls these people a word that we use very frequently. He calls them hypocrites. And he not only calls them hypocrites, he says that their reward is already given to them. And, and that's, that's a, a pretty harsh statement because what he's saying is, in essence, is because the reward has already been given to them that their reward in heaven is not going to be there. And, and I think for some people, that is going to be a relative shock, that they're going to say, I did all these good things, where's my reward in heaven? And, and Jesus is going to say, he's going to look at them, hey, you already got your reward. You already got the fame, the power, the authority because you did it on earth and everyone knew that you did it. Jesus is saying the way in which you store for yourselves treasures in heaven is when we do the good work. But we do it with the motivation and the expectation, not for our earthly rewards. We, we do it with the motivation and expectation that we're going to do it in secret. We're not going to get anything here, but it's all going to be given to us in heaven. And again, this is where I, I need to help you reframe kind of the way we even view what heaven is. Because I, I, I've heard many times, and I think I've even referenced, referenced it in the past, that some people, when they talk about heaven, and they talk about storing for their, themselves treasures in heaven, they, they really think to themselves, they're like, okay, if I do a lot of good works here on earth, and I love Jesus, and so I get into heaven, the way that I, I, I get wealthy in heaven, the way I get powerful in heaven, is if I do a lot of good works, then God will give me a mansion, he'll give me a boat, he'll give me a car, I'll have all these nice things. And so we're, we're thinking to ourselves, we're like, man, if, if you're like Billy Graham, if you're someone who has given your whole life to, to evangelizing to millions of people, man, Billy Graham, he must have the biggest house in heaven. He must have the nicest car in heaven. He must be the one that even though on earth he was living a humble life and he was, he was giving his whole life to the Lord, in heaven he's going to be driving down the street, those, those golden bricks, and he's going to be like, hey, what's up? Look, I'm Billy Graham. There's something about that, that, that image that bothers me. And, and I don't want to just tell you that's wrong. I want to explain to you what the Bible has to say. And I don't have it on the screen. I'm not even going to read it to you. But I want you to, during this week, go and read the book of Revelations, chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. And it's not that long. But I, I, what it is, is this image of 24 elders, 24 church leaders, 24 people that were very prominent. And they have these crowns on their head that are that are bedazzled they have these jewels and these these precious stones that are on it and it's probably made of a very important precious metal and there's these 24 elders that that are given these crowns by god 
for what they were doing on earth. And again, they're, they're 24, so we don't know who they are, but I can imagine that it was probably the disciples and, and maybe Paul, like, because they did so much. And so there are these really prominent and important figures that are around Jesus, and they're given these crowns because of what they were doing on earth. They were, these are the kind of guys that they died for their faith. That these were the kind of guys that their entire life was all about giving glory to Jesus, about spreading the gospel, about living that kind of life that, hey, they store for themselves treasures in heaven. And yes, God gave them treasure in heaven, which was this crown. But in Revelation chapter 4, verse 10 and 11, what we see happening is so crucial. It's so important of our understanding of why we store for ourselves treasures in heaven. These 24 elders, their entire lives were, once they met Jesus, their entire life was, was centered around doing good things for Christ. For Christ. And when they got to heaven, God rewarded them with this amazing crown on their head. And these 24 elders do something that we need to understand. They were given this reward of a crown. And instead of saying, hey, look at me. I have this crown, and a crown represents authority. It re represents power. It means you're a king. It means you're, you're a lord. It means you, you are in charge of things. They take this crown, which was given to them by God, and they lay it down at the feet of Jesus. They lay it down before the throne. This is, this is so important for our understanding of what heaven's like. See, it's so important to understand that the, the, the treasures that we store for ourselves here on earth are not for our pleasure alone in heaven. It's not so that we're going to have this, this coat around us and we're going to say, hey, look at me, I'm so beautiful, I have all this jewelry, I have all this bling, I'm so rich, my bank account in heaven is in the million figures because I have all this money. No, instead what it's going to be is this is that all the good work that we do here on earth, it is storing for ourselves treasures in heaven. Not that we've experienced the rewards here on earth. It's storing for ourselves these treasures in heaven that God will reward us. He will reward you. He will have that ceremony. He will have that moment where he says, hey, I'm so proud of you for doing all the sacrificial things you did, for all the giving you did, for all the amazing things you did, and you did it in secret. You did it with an expectation of nothing in return. You did it with a good heart. I'm so proud of you, my good and faithful servant. He's going to give it to you. But we must remember Revelation chapter 4. As we get our treasures in heaven, what we do is we lay it at the feet of Jesus. We give it to God. And we say, Jesus, the reason why I did all these good works, the reason why I sacrificed so much, the reason why it wasn't for me, it wasn't so I can have this crown, it wasn't so I can be the most important person in heaven, it wasn't so that I could sit at your feet and just be here in the VIP section. It wasn't for me. The reason why I did all of this is so I could lay down this crown for you. Because you're worthy. Because you're holy. Because everything I did on this earth was not so that I could have all the things in heaven. I did it so that I could worship you. I could praise you forever and ever. Of course, there's people, there's believers, there's Christians, they don't do any good work. 
And again, this isn't to judge them, and I, I want to make it very clear, but there is a distinction between those who do good works and those who don't. And again, both are covered the same way by the blood of Jesus in the sense that both are loved and entered into eternity with the, in, into the kingdom of God. But there will be people that are entered into eternity and they have no crown. They have no golden jewels. They have no, no gems. They have no... But it doesn't detract from what they will do for all of eternity. For someone who, who accepts Christ on their deathbed, for someone who had no opportunity to do any good works for Jesus' name, for him, that they die and they go to heaven. And I absolutely believe if someone believes in God on their deathbed, I actually believe some other weird stuff, but I, I believe that if, if you accept Jesus on your deathbed, that you are welcomed into, into heaven for all eternity. But I think you come in and God doesn't say, hey, good and faithful servant, you did so many great things, because God's not a liar. God's not a liar. And so what he'll say is he'll say, hey, we can spend all of eternity together. And instead of comparing and say, I don't have as, I don't have as many crowns as this person. I don't, I don't have the nice clothes like this person. I have so little to give you. Jesus' response to that person is, is, yeah, you don't have much to give me. Give me your life. For the rest of eternity, just let's, let's spend eternity together. So even for the person that, does know, that doesn't do any good works, they still enjoy the benefits of an eternal life with Jesus in community with all of us that we can all celebrate together. But the reason why we do good works is not to get paid here, is not to get the reward here on earth. I don't want to be famous here on earth. I don't want to be famous in heaven. But the reason why... The reason why we do good works here, the reason why we feed the poor, the reason why we, we, we clothe the people who are, are naked, the reason why we help those who are below us, who are in need of us, it's not for our credit, either here or in heaven. The reason why we do it is for Jesus. It's for, it's for him. We want to go to heaven before him, and we want to say, my life on earth and all the things I did, this is the treasure that I built for you. This is, this is what I tried to do for you. And so now I give it all to you. At the end of the day, this is why offering and tithing is so important. It's because it's that constant reminder that even the work we do, the, the money that we make on a day-to-day -day basis... Like, again, it's not so that we can make the church rich. It's, it's not about that. The reason why we give on a regular basis is to always remind ourselves the reason why we're making money, the reason why we're trying to, trying to work so hard and build up our careers. It's not for your glory. It's not that people look at you and say, wow, so impressive. You, you have so much. Like, that's, that's so amazing. No. It's that we would constantly rem remind ourselves the reason why I work so hard I want to worship Jesus. I want to lay down my crown at his feet. It's not just an action that we're going to do in heaven. It's something that we need to do even now. And there are people in here that you, you don't make much money, and that's okay. But there are still other ways in which we can get our crowns and lay it at the feet of Jesus. But see, when we lay down our crowns, you're not doing it for this expectation that, okay, if I lay down my crown before Jesus, he's going to give me more. We lay down our crowns with an expectation for nothing in return. The reason is this. It's because Jesus laid his crown down first for us. That while we were still sinners, Jesus took the form of a human. That he died for us. 
See, this relationship that we have with our Lord and Savior is not one in which you're so good for initiating a relationship with Jesus. It's so amazing because Jesus initiated it with us. That while we were not worthy, we were not worthy of any love, of any affection, of any sacrifice, that Jesus said, I, although I am God, although I, I am a part of the triune God, that I'm willing to lay down my crown and become human. And not only am I willing to lay down my crown and take the form of a man and become fully man, I'm willing to die for these people. I'm willing to lay down my life. And so when we lay down our crown for Christ, we have to remember that we're not doing it in return for something. We're doing it in response to something. We're doing it in response to the the fact that the reason why I'm giving my life, the reason why I'm doing these things is not because I'm a good person. It's not because I'm so amazing. It's not because I'm going to get anything in return. It's because my Lord and Savior did it first. The implications of this, the repercussions of this is incredible, in my opinion. The call is for you to go out and do good things, but do it in secret. It's a call, it's a call for you to volunteer at the church. Volunteer at a church. Not just this church. Volunteer at a church, any church. If it's our church, that's great. The the call is to do it in such a way that you're not doing it for personal accolade. You're not doing it so that you're you're thinking to yourself as you're washing dishes, as you're you're doing children's ministry, as you're doing youth ministry. You're not thinking to yourself, well, I'm building up myself a nice crown in heaven. I'm building up myself a nice house in heaven. That you're doing it in response, not for yourself, but you're doing it in response to what Jesus has already done for you. My goal is that when I get to heaven, it's not that I'll be the richest guy. I know I'm not going to be the richest guy. I'm a terrible person. But I, I hope, I hope and I pray that I at least have one little gemstone. I have at least one little thing of value. And, and, and that with that one little thing of value, I can say, Lord, this is what I have to offer you, and it's all yours. See, there's a thing about gifts that we need to remember and we need to understand. And I think I'm, I'm terrible at giving gifts, and I'm terrible at receiving gifts. And if anything, my wife and I, we, we barely give each other gifts. But there's a, a beauty about showing gifts to one another is that in the more valuable it was, the more sacrifice you had to put in that gift, the more meaning it has, the more impressive it is. And again, it's not to say, oh, I'm the best. It's because of your relationship that you want to express to someone without using your words, without using, you want to tell them, you want to show them, I love you. And there's a big difference between when you get your wife a blender compared to when you got her a, like jewelry. You know, there's a difference. And again, that, 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 that's something that I, I, I'm still learning like what that really means because I, I, I'm really bad at giving gifts. But the, the expensive jewelry, it's not that it's inherently better. It's not that it's going to make your marriage good? It's not, it's, again, what I mean is this, a, a expensive gift is not going to improve your relationship, okay? It's, it's not going, like, just because you buy someone, you know, a, a, a 30 carats diamond, which is, would be impossible, but a, a really big diamond doesn't mean that all of a sudden your marriage is perfect, but there are those moments when you give your, your significant other, even your parents, your siblings, when you give someone an expensive gift and they know the cost, they know that it there's no way that this was easy to obtain, that they say, whoa. They say, wow, this is incredible. It has nothing to do with improving the relationship, but it's all about just that that 
a show of love. See, we know that Jesus gave us the best gift. Not, not in, the, in the intrinsic value of, it, of eternal life, and I think that's where we focus too much, but we know how much it cost him. We know, we know the price tag. When Jesus gave us the gift, the price tag was that he had to, he had to deny, he had to take the form of a man. He emptied himself for our behalf. He was tortured for us. He was nailed to a cross. And that brought about our purification, our sanctification, that we are cleansed now. So we know the price and we know the gift. We know it meant so much. And so I hope that as we approach the cross that we say, whoa, what a gift. And I think many times we're in that moment where it's like someone gives you an amazing gift and you're like, how do I repay this? How do I, how do I pay this back? The fact that they, they gave me this amazing gift that is, is priceless. How do I repay it? What I know is that whenever you give someone a gift like that, you are never expecting them to repay it. There's no way that we can repay it. Jesus is not looking that we repay that, that we, we give him a gift because he deserves it. He gave us the gift of eternal life, of cleansing your sins because he loves you. But now, we are given an opportunity to give him a gift back. Again, not to repay. Not to repay him. Not to make it work. Hey, Jesus, you gave me the gift of eternal life, so I'm giving you all of these good works. It doesn't work like that. That we would give Jesus a gift, gift wrapped in the most expensive gift wrap, with the most beautiful bows, but the gift itself is our good works. The gift itself is loving one another. The gift that we can give to Jesus, the Christmas gift, the birthday gift, the Father's Day gift that we can give to Jesus is being kind, is being generous is living a life where you're doing it not because you are expecting something in return, not because you're going to get something back, not because you're going to be looked at as an amazing person and have your reputation be put on a pedestal and have everyone say, wow, they're a great person. No, but the reason why we're doing good works to love one another, to love our enemies, to live a good life, is because we want to give Jesus all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. See, I do not want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to stand up here and tell you things and, and, and say things and people to look at me and say, you're such a hypocrite. The, re the only way I know, the only way I know of how to curb that and how to, how to be someone who speaks on a week-to-week -week basis without feeling any sense of hypocrisy in me is that I do not want to point to myself. I don't want to point to our church. I want to point to Jesus. Because it's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm doing. But it's all about what he said and what he did. Every sermon, every time I speak to you, it's not about my opinion. It's not about what I want to say. It's all about what he said. And that's the only way I can, I can even handle this idea of hypocrisy. My opinions don't matter. Don't follow my opinions. But when Jesus says, do good things in secret, all I can say is, this is what my Lord says. This is what he did. This is how he lived his life. I'm constantly dealing with this pressure and this temptation of wanting our church to be very big, of wanting our church to be very successful, of wanting our church to be full of people and, and, and have this, this, this moment where we can say, hey, LCC, Logo Central Chapel, 
the, the Asian American church in the Denver metro area. Look how full we are. Look how, look how great we are. Look how amazing we are. Look at how many people we reach out to. Look at our community outreach programs. Look at our mission programs. Look at how when we have teams going out across the world. And then eventually, look at how many churches we planted. Look at, look at how big of an impact we made. Constantly, I'm, I'm having to fight that. And it's this. I want our church to grow. Not for our church. Not for our namesake. Not for my namesake. The reason why I want our church to grow, the reason why I want you to bring your friends, your family, your coworkers to church is not so that our church would have a name for ourselves, not that our name would be built up, not that our ministry would be built up, but because Jesus' name would be built up. His kingdom would be built up. The reason why we need to go out and show the love is not to show people our love. It's not to show people how much LCC loves them. It's not to show people how, much, how good we are, but it's to show them how much Jesus loves them. How much he wants to serve them. How he wants to bring them out of the grave and into new life. I've come to the realization, I cannot resurrect anyone. I cannot bring people back from the dead. But I have a, I have a God who can. You know, the news this week was, was very difficult for me. Even though I don't know these people, but, I, you know, finding out that Kate Spade and, and Anthony Bourdain killed themselves, it shook me. It shook me because they seemed happy. They had good lives. They were wealthy. They were famous. And this isn't to put any blame on them. It's not to put any shame on them. If anything, it, it, it's an invitation. If, if you're struggling with depression of any kind, please Talk to me, talk to somebody, and just let people into your lives because we love you and we care about you. But the reason why it shook me so much is realizing how little I could do. How little I, I can prevent any, any of you from doing something like that. I, I, I can't. I'm so powerless, so unable to be God. So again, that's why even in situations like that, my goal is not that our church would be this amazing place for our namesake. But it would always be a place that people know. They know the name of Jesus will be preached. That the power of Jesus will be displayed. And that because Jesus is the only one to grant eternal life, that even when trials and tribulations happen, it's not that we are going to survive. It's that we're going to cling on to Christ. Church, this is a call for you. It's a call for me. That as we do good works, as we do things for Christ, for Jesus, that it wouldn't just be words that come out of our mouth, that deep down in our hearts, that any time we serve, any time we volunteer, any time we give, that we understand and recognize that it's not for us, and it's all for him. It's not for us. It's all for him. This is where we need to keep each other accountable. This is where we need to run with each other, that we need to remind each other that it's not about LCC. It's not about LCC. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not about, it's, it's not about us being known around the world. It's about Jesus being known around the world. I, I can't make this more, I can't, this, I can't make this more important more of a priority. Constantly we're, we're wondering about identity and what we're supposed to do as a church. 
This is it. It's not about us. It's all about him. Let's pray. Lord, I ask that you would watch over our hearts, watch over our actions. Lord, that in all that we do, that we would give you the glory. Father, help us to learn how to do things in secret. We're so bad at that. Many times we want all the credit. We want all the, all, everyone to know what we did and, and how great we're at, at doing it. But Lord, I pray you would give us a heart like Christ. Lord, that you would help us to learn to not do things with an ulterior motive, but instead we would do things simply as an act of worship unto you. Lord, that we would be willing to pray, not on the street corners, letting everyone know that we're, we're such good prayers, but Lord, that instead we would pray in the silence of our own rooms, that we would speak to you in an intimate fashion. Lord, I pray that you would help us to store for ourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. But instead, Lord, as we build for ourselves treasures in heaven, it wouldn't be for us, but it would be objects of worship unto you. Father, help us to lay down our crown at your feet. Lord, because you are so worthy. 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 We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's for you to go out and do good works. Give to the needy. Clothe those who need clothes. Feed the hungry. Just, just do the good things. But don't do it for, for an ulterior motive. Don't do it so that you'll be known. Do it as an act of you laying down your crown to Jesus. Saying, Lord, the reason why I do these things is because you did it first. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this day. Lord, I thank you for watching over us, being with us, communing with us. Lord, that in all things that you are holy and you are good. Father, I pray for this congregation. Lord, I pray that we would do things without an ulterior motive, that we would do things without an expectation for a reward. But Lord, that as you reward us, that we would give it at, we would lay it all down to the feet of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would not make Logo Central Chapel famous. I pray that you would make your son famous. That it would not be our name who is, well, that is known, but it's your name that is known. Lord Jesus, our lives, in our lives we are powerless to stop the effects of death and sin. But Lord, you are, you are victorious. That you have already overcome the evil in this world. You have already overcome death. You have already overcome sin. Father, so help us to instead of relying on our own strength, to rely on yours. We worship you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name we pray.